five. Kingway Scott's beard look is acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk DJ Batliff, Edward is an idiot Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red Data's cat, Kempak's hat, Q has had enough of that Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. Welcome to Trek Talking. This is our Monday uh, Trek Talking to Overflow type of show. Usually we do Comic Corner where we talk about the latest Star Trek comic books. Occasionally we'll do Book Nook like we just talked about, Patrick Stewart's new novel, Memoir Making It So. And tonight I have a special treat for you guys. Um, I have with me on the line right now, just eager to speak with you guys, uh, the one and only J-Dog. How you doing tonight, J-Dog? Hi, Captain Jim, or else known as Jerry Silber. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's thank you. Be a thank lot you. Thank you. So I, um, I I've known so. Jerry for a very, very long time. We go way, way oh, back. Have you know me? To the premiere of TNG, actually. And so uh, Jerry and I, we talk about Trek quite frequently. And uh, he's never been on the podcast before. And I thought, well, the only difference between us talking about Star Trek on the phone. And us doing a podcast is that right now there's thousands of people around the globe eavesdropping on our conversation. It's like a giant party line. The only difference is you guys can pick up the phone right now and let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And what are we going to talk about on this premiere J-Dog and Uncle Jim podcast? We're going to talk about Star Trek and what it means to you, me, J-Dog, how we got involved in Star Trek, and we're just going to have some fun Trek talking. So after all, that's the name of the podcast, Trek Talking. So uh, let's dive right in and do some Trek talking. Sounds good. What what got me interested uh, in Star Trek is Jerry and I chatted about this a little bit earlier. Um, My grandparents lived in Brooklyn, New York. And I used to spend my summers down there. I'm from upstate New York. Well, I'm currently in Vermont, but I was originally from upstate New York. And I'd go down to Brooklyn, and I'd spend the summers there. And being from upstate New York and going down to this big city was exciting for a kid. And at nighttime, I would kind of get up, and I'd sneak out of bed. And I would sit on the stoop of my grandparents' brownstone, which was on 53rd Street in Brooklyn. And I would just listen to all the sounds of the city, and it would just exciting it was lively at night and this one night i got hey, uh, up uncle jim i have a question for you yeah J-Dog. i have a question so i'm I'm just curious that before, when you were a kid or teenage or whatever were you interested like in science were you interested in like um the stars and interested in you know stuff like that um you know, because not, you know, it's like a lot of people, you know, football, you know, they like to be like everybody else. Like what um, made you different or were you different? You know, that's what I was wondering about. Were you a curious kid? I dressed up as a Klingon, so I guess that's kind of different. I waved my batlet around. Um, (laughs) But... You know, yeah, like when you were a kid, I was. <laughs> no, I. What were you uh, like as a kid? I've always been an outsider. I've always been an outlander. I've never marched to the beat of other people's drums. 
I've always done what I want to do and what I think is right. And I've never been led by other people or let other people tell me what to do, what I can do, what I can't do. I always did what I wanted to do, regardless of what the rest of the crowd was doing. And if they don't like me because I'm doing something different, that's their problem, not mine. So, um, yeah, I was always, you know, doing what I thought was best. I was into art. I didn't, you know, I was an artist when I was younger. I dabbled in art. Um, I didn't know that about you. I never knew that about you. Yeah, I I was an artist. I majored in art in high school, and I used to paint album covers, you know, Journey, stuff like that. So I was that is neat. So you were creative with your hands. Yeah, and and I had I I was a pretty unique seat. You know, back in the seventies and eighties, you had a bunch of different cliques. You had the jocks, you had the greasers, you had the nerds. You know, they were all different cliques, but. Right. In my particular case, my school district had been redistricted. So I went to one school for three years and then another school for four. So I knew a lot of people. And when I got into junior high school and high school, I knew a lot of people. So I knew people that were greasers. I knew people that were jocks. I knew people that were nerds. And I associated with all of them. I, you know, I wasn't exclusively this or exclusively that. You know, I dabbled Mm -hmm. in all different cliques. So uh, I think that gave me a unique perspective on things. So yeah, I was, I was into art. I wanted to be an artist, but it just didn't pan out. It wasn't in the cards for Uncle Jim. Okay. To be an artist. But oh, you were creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I do a podcast and a Facebook page and, you know, I go around and talk about Star Trek to people and I let them touch my bat list and um, I enjoy it. So I'm, I'm still creative, just not not with pen and paper. Yep. Or um, and have I, you ever, I'm just, I was just curious, have you ever wanted to do like any of the Star Trek artwork, like with a computer? You know, I, um, you know, if, if Paramount called me and offered me a job, I'd be happy to take it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, but, uh, I'm not really that computer savvy, which, you know, people find hard to believe, but I'm not. I mean, I do the podcast and I do the Facebook and the Instagram and all that stuff, but uh, that's idiot proof, you know. I mean, that's, you know, no brains involved in that. I wouldn't say that. I think that it takes a lot to bring it all together. You, You know, it's great that you've been able to pull together this podcast and uh, whom you've been able to bring in. I mean, it's not just a matter of just throwing money at it. You know, it takes a lot, whether it's doing a convention or, you know, it's, yeah. it takes a lot of courage and guts and whatever. And I've done I've done uh, panels about the podcast at conventions, and I tell people, you know, you have to have the drive. You have to have the desire. You have to have the love right. to do it, you know. And if you do and you stick with it, it'll work out. And it sounds like a cliche, but it's true, at least in my case. No, it's true. So, you know, I've been doing the podcast. We have uh, 580 episodes, I believe, close to 600. That's amazing. So we've you know, been doing it for a while. We just talked to Robin Curtis, and we just talked to uh, Elizabeth Dennehy. Greg Sargent, who was a Ra- uh, an Andorian on Star Trek Enterprise, uh, you know, we, we, we you know, when I, I find a lot of people to talk to on the podcast, but in the end, right. in the end, it's all about you guys. It's all about the fans because without fans, we wouldn't have Star Trek. And you know, so it, it's very important that the fans feel like this is their podcast, that they're part of the Star Trek family, and that's why we have the Facebook page. And that's why we do the fan shout-outs every week. We say thank you to our fans. And it's very important. We do a fan survey. Like right now, there's no new Star Trek on, uh, so we do a lot of filler stuff. But when, the, when Prodigy, I think Prodigy will be the first one. Oh, maybe not. I don't know if Prodigy Season 2 is going to drop before Discovery or not. But whichever comes first, uh, up on our Facebook page, we always put up a post um, 
and I'll ask you guys, the fans, I'll say, hey, on a score of 1 to 10, what did you think about last night's episode and why? And then we ask you guys to score the episode and tell us what you thought about it. And then we read those comments on the podcast, and then we review the podcast and see, you know, how close we are to what you guys thought, the fans. Because we always want to include the fans in everything as much as possible, which is why That's we have important. A, yep. a studio line. You can let your fingers do the walk and then call Trek Talk and at 646-668-2433 and tell us what you think. It's very important to me that you guys feel involved. You know, it's, it's your podcast. It's your show. I work for you. Although work isn't the, exactly the right word because no one's paying me, but I mean, I do the podcast because you guys listen. So that's what it's all about right. for me. And that's, right. that's what Star Trek means to me. I, I am an equal opportunity sci-fi fan, J-Dog, whereas, know. you know, I was a Star Wars fan at first. I loved the original Star Wars. You know, I'm not talking about all these new – when I say Star Wars, I mean Star Wars. When I saw Star Wars, there was no episode anything. It was just called Star Wars, and I fell right. in love with it. Yeah. And from Star Wars, I went into the Black Hole and Logan's Run and Buck Rogers right. and Battlestar Galactica and yep. all that great stuff. Battle Beyond the Stars, Tron, you know, all that stuff. And it influenced me. And through all of that, Star Trek was always lurking in the background. And then Star Trek the two, the Wrath of Khan came along and a friend of mine was having a birthday party at the theater and we all went and saw the Wrath of Khan and then, then the light bulb went on in my head and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Wrath of Khan, that's the TV show I used to watch at my grandparents in Brooklyn and the light bulb went on and it's only gotten brighter and brighter and brighter since that time when I realized the rich history that Star Trek has. I, had, I was like a giant sponge. I couldn't get enough. I had to go watch, watch every episode, all the animated series, Star Trek, the motion picture, everything. Just soaked it all in like a sponge. And I, I found my home. And it wasn't until Star Trek Three to search for Spock when Karen and I, yes, we were dating in high school. We went to see it at the movie theater. And then there was a Star Trek convention up on Wolf Road in Albany. And Karen and I went. And I met Mark. What Leonard. year was that? I think it was 80, 83, maybe. Okay. 80, 83. And um, when I went to the convention and I saw that there were other, there were so many other people that felt like I did, J-Dog. And they were all there for Star Trek. And I got to meet Mark Leonard and I got to talk to him and shake his hand and get an autograph. And it, it stuck with me, that, that experience. And... I've never looked back. I've just kept going forward from that point on. And I've just loved Star Trek. The fans and the message behind Star Trek. I think it's an important message that we need to keep alive and we can't, we can never forget that, you know, equality, you know, is very important. People need to be treated like equals. They need to be treated with respect and dignity and all those things that Star Trek tells us and teaches us. They're very important, and I think that the fact that Gene Roddenberry created this whole thing says, yes, we can get there. Uh, trust me, we are far, far from getting there today, but you know what? All you have to do is make a difference today, you know? Make a difference today and don't worry about tomorrow. Do something today. And if everybody does a little something today, all those todays will add up to make a better tomorrow. You know what I mean, J-Dog? Absolutely. And, and I, Absolutely. I, I truly believe that, you know, when, when we have to, we have to stand by our morals. We have to stand by our ethics and our beliefs. And, you know, bad things happen when good people do nothing. And so I, I believe in Star Trek and the message. Now, listen, I'm not one of these people that runs around thinking that Klingons are real and, you know, all the, and the, you know, all that stuff. I, I know that it's a TV show and I don't live in my parents' basements. And yes, I've kissed a girl and all that stuff. But 
the underlying, you know, the edic, infinite diversity and infinite competence is what it's all about. Accepting, treating people like you want to be treated. And I think that it's all of our differences is what makes us stronger and not weaker. You know? It would be nice if that was more of that thinking was prevalent out there today. Unfortunately, you have a lot of very selfish people, and uh, it's making it so difficult for really. And, you know, J-Dog, particularly in the current situation that we have right now in the United States, you know, we've never been more divided than we are today at this very moment. And this is, this is just a big test. This is something we have to overcome, you know, and I, I, you know, in the end, I have faith in mankind. It's difficult uh, at times, but I think when it comes right down to it, I think people want to do the right thing. I think people, they know what's right and what's wrong. And I think in the end, people will do what's right. Now, there's always going to be the dicks. And, you know, if you're a dick, you're always going to be a dick. I mean, nothing's going to change that. But, um, you know, there's got to be more people that aren't dicks than people that are, you know. And, like, I, you know, I always say, you know, there's two types of people. You're part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Those are the two choices, you know. There's the people that sit around and complain about everything but do nothing about it. And then there's the people that right. go out and try to make things better and improve it. And that's where I want to be. I want to get the message out about Star Trek. I want people to watch it. I want people to learn the messages that, that Star Trek teaches us and go out there and apply those messages to your everyday life. You know, it's not very difficult if you just open up and try. You know, give it give it a try. And you'll feel like a much better person for it, too. You know? Mm-hmm. You always feel better about yourself when you're, when you're doing what's right and you know you're doing what's right than doing what's easy, which is generally, generally the wrong thing. You know? Yeah. So that's, you know, I think, which, you know, which is, I think that Star Trek, you know, Star Trek started in the 60s, obviously. We all know this, right? Uh, During the height of the civil rights movement, and hence, you know, Ahura being on the bridge was so important, even though the character wasn't, you know, she wasn't like centered in every episode. The fact that she was on the screen and there as an officer is all it took, you know. And because of her, we have Michael Burnham today on Discovery. And when you think about about that journey, it's amazing, you know. From it's, from, from, from Ahura to to TNG. Well, yeah. Well, you go from Ahura to like having on TNG. Uh, uh, whether it's like a lady who was a shuttle astronaut who was a transporter operator, Mae Jemison, or you have Deep Space Nine where a black man played by Avery Brooks can be a captain of a starbase Deep Space Nine and a son, people that, you know, we can relate to even though it's the 24th century, but, you know. Exactly. It all started on the back of Nichelle Nichols. You know, if she had walked away, what would Star Trek be today? You know, and it, the, and you know, I, 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 I say this to a lot of people. It's like, you know, if you don't like discovery for whatever reason, um, that's fine. You don't have to like everything. I mean, I, I don't. Right. I'm not right. really fond of Voyager. You know, I just I just think that it was a lazily written show with a poor premise and 
carbon copied characters for the most part. So I just, it's my least favorite show, but uh, I don't run around bad mouthing the show and, and hating on it. It's just my, no, least I, favorite. I understand, you know, and that's fine. Um, but you don't have to um, agree with something or accept something to treat it with respect and dignity, you know? Um, and I, I told this story at Fandom Fest last year. I remember um, when Star Trek Discovery came out and they said they were going to have a binary character on the show. And I said on the podcast, I got excited because, you know, being, being the, the, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male that I am in my little closed circle of existence here, um, I assumed that binary meant the binars from 11001001. And I thought, wow, this is great. They're going to bring back the binars. We haven't seen them since TNG. This is going to be great. And uh, one of my co-hosts said, that's not what binary is. I'm like, yeah, that's from the TNG episode. I had no idea that binary existed or what it was. Never heard of it. Never experienced it. They were referring to a a group in a social context of people out there. Yes. And so when Discovery introduced me to that concept, that was a new concept to me that I was not aware of. Never heard of it. I never heard of somebody that wanted to be referred to as they and them instead of he or she. And that was something new that I had to learn. And I had to get used to the pronouns being used differently than I was taught in school. And so Star Trek opened, even opened my eyes up to that. Now, I don't fully understand it, and I'm not going to pretend to tell you that I do, but if somebody wants to be referred to as they or them, what skin is it off my teeth to, to, to do that? It doesn't hurt me at all. It just shows right. show them the respect that they deserve by referring to them the way they want to be. And that is what Star Trek is all about. It, it, it taught me something that I never knew. And so it can teach other people mm-hmm. as well. But, you have to have an open mind if you go into it. If you go into it with a closed mind and a preconceived conception of there are a bunch of weirdos and nut jobs, then you, you lost the battle before you started. You have to give it a chance. You have to go into it with an open mind and, and look at these characters as characters and not as a, a social race or a, or, or a sexual race or anything like that. You, you have to look at them as they're meant to be, as an engineer, as a doctor, you know, as a captain. Because if you identify them as, uh, with, as, as a social construct, you're missing the whole point, you know? Uh, can you hold on a moment, Jim? Excuse me, just Absolutely. a moment. So here we are. We're doing a podcast. Uncle Jim and J-Dog, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Star I am back. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, anyway, I am so happy and proud to learn, you know, about that you see this, you know, that you care enough to um, show that, you know, this is something that's important to you. You know, a lot of people, doesn't matter to them, you know, and I'm very happy to learn that about you. Yeah, and you know, and it's sad. I, I feel bad for those people, you know. I really do. Because the world is such a, a brighter place if you if you look at it it depends on how you look at the world you know you have to be positive and give you know it's hard to it's hard to open up and give something a chance that you're not used to or something that is outside of your your box your safe little box that you live in and a lot of times it's easier to hate 
than it is to love or to accept, you know? And it's it's sad, but it's human nature, I think, you know? People can end people because of of their religion and which, you know, nobody knows what your religion is unless you tell them. And so for someone to look at you and, and say, well, I, I hate you because you're a Muslim. Well, that makes no sense. If you didn't know that I, were, that I was a Muslim, would you still hate me? You know? I know, I know what you mean. So... And that's not to say yeah. that, you know, all, all Muslims, all, you know, just be, are, you know, are not going to stab you in the back or whatnot because... You know, people will be people. But I truly believe that if you don't give somebody a chance, you're never going to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I, uh, I'd i like to let you, let you in a little bit about uh, where I've been, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So... <laughs> Some of what you're you've been mentioning about. So, I'm not white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I'm white. I'm not Anglo. I don't know. Um, Saxon, no Jewish. Um, although, yeah, I can say that my wife Ellen and I have been fortunate ourselves. Uh, to live in the United States and to have the benefits of living in a country, although not perfect, and if you want to liken it to like the United Federation of Planets or the start of something like that, but at least, you know, although our family, whether it's immediate or not, have gone through their share of racism. Um, I'm a survive. My parents. I'm I'm a first generation American, and my parents were survivors of World War II, Holocaust survivors. But they went through psychologically, physically, what um, our families, extended families, went through. Terrible, terrible, terrible. They say that World War II was the last war where it was actually like to save the lives and um you know to, you know and a lot of things afterwards were more political you know but we still have our heroes that are out to save the lives of people you know and so what got me into star trek and i'd say to a certain extent also with science fiction was that Okay, we we saw the terrible side of humanity, um, and even though, like, let's say, in 1945, when the atomic bomb was dropped at Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and the destruction of hundreds of thousands of people, and Albert Einstein, he was so pissed. He didn't want to see the science that he had come up with in physics to be used and as we know, many times people have questioned, did we have to drop another bomb that we had to have two? Wasn't one enough? Maybe, and hopefully that the wisdom from them that we've learned. But the thing is that it was the terrible things that have gone on that I, that but we've also, as humanity, done amazing things. I was born in 62 in February. And so I'm turning, I turned 60 and now, and so it was um, the space program and the influence of space and being interested in science, being some sort of a geek. And a lot of the shows that you've mentioned, media and whatever, we both have, are familiar with, you know, that was, had an influence on me. And in the early 70s, when the space program was cut back, um, it's very disappointing. It really sucked. But I also was into Star Trek. 
Now, in the 60s, I was well, a kid, so I can't say. I was a little Trekkie, whatever. I saw some episodes with my dad. And um, then the Star Trek uh, cartoons came on, and that was like, wow, this is really cool. And I enjoyed it. I even um, tape recorded it, which had a VCR. But back then, it wasn't available. It was, it was in the later 70s and 80s, right? So I tape recorded the um, episodes from TV. And um, also that um, in 1975, another thing that was really cool that opened in Manhattan, I wish you would have gotten a chance to have seen it, was a Star Trek store that opened up. There was a Star Trek store in New York City, Manhattan, at 210 East 53rd Street in Los Angeles. And it was there that I saw, and it was like I was like in heaven, the models, the miniatures, the, the posters, the books. It was like heaven, heaven. And I wish I could have bought more. I was 13 years old when I went there with my dad. It was around the time of my bar mitzvah, but I loved it. It was beautiful. It was like so amazing to me. It was only around for about a year and a half or so. But, yep, the Federation Trading Post. And as a note to that place, some notable people, or at least one that I know, Doug Drexler, worked in production. And... TNG, DS9, et cetera, et cetera. He was working in that store, by the way. So, well, and then, yeah. You know what, J-Dog? I got to do something yeah. here for you. This is an honor yep. that, that is bestowed on only very special friends of Trek talking. Uh, and J-Dog, you fall under that category. All right? So, in the vein of our Star Trek family, I have to, I absolutely feel obligated. I have to do this. Well, there's a punk in the alley and he's looking for a fight. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth to feed. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun. But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, J Dog, that's the, the most beloved Weird Al Yankovic. And yes, yes, uh, I only yes. play for special people to the podcast, and you fall under that Thank category. You. So happy Thank you, birthday. Captain Jim. So <laughs> um, I, I think that what, um, like with Star Trek, that what I think what I sense. You know, there's always been a close connection with the space program and with Star Trek. And that is because, you know, what I've noticed with Star Trek is the love and the degree of detail that went into um, working on, you know, you could say the sets were cheesy or whatever. But if you look at it in terms of what was done today, that's not right. Sorry, that's ridiculous. Got to look at it in terms of 1960s production and whatever. The love that went into um, doing the ship and the story, the science fiction authors and whatever, and the all that stuff. You know, these people like Roddenberry, Bob Justman, um, what's his name that designed the Enterprise? Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, God, that that is uh, old age will do uh, that to you, Jay. <laughs> what's that? Do you remember the name of the guy that designed the Enterprise? Um, 
Oh my God. I I can't believe that I don't remember his name. Um but I'm gonna get but the point is that they were World War Two veterans and they made sure to take into account, you know, like science and whatever of they consulted science um organizations and whatever, and NASA, how to design the bridge of the enterprise, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of stuff was done from the very beginning. I think I lost you, dog. What's that? You still there? Yes, I am. Jerry? I'm here. J-Dog. Yep, I think I lost, I think I lost you. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I think is amazing about Star Trek, particularly in the 60s, speaking of the space program, is the fact that how many of the things that we saw on Star Trek on the TV show in the 60s growing up, how many of those things have come to pass, you know, as, right. as, as reality? Like, you know, the communicators, we have flip phones today. Can you hear me? You no. Know? Yeah. Jim. Can you yep, hear me? I hear you. Yes. Uh, the name, I, I was, uh, shame on me, Matt Jeffries, Walter Matt Jeffries. Yep. He, you know, among the people that Roddenberry got, right, to design the Enterprise. Right? Yep. Or right, even, even the medical scanners, you know. Yep. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we saw on Star Trek uh, became reality, you know? Exactly. So, you know, or of a, a concept of it. Um, okay, I just, I, I just, okay, so I guess I should just finish off with regards to, like, with me, what Zed. So was this connection with the reality people trying to make it a better universe will go through and Star Trek is not saying it's going to be perfect that will it'll be rough we'll go through a hell of a lot but if we want a better future we can make it happen but we have to want it badly enough right we have to work together to accomplish that goal Right, exactly, you know, and that's why, like, I'm with you 100%, like, you know, to work on, uh, you know, like, whether it was uh, with the conventions I did for the community within the last several years in the capital region, you know, and now working with you, um to promote with Fandom Fest and Proctor's Theater in Schenectady, you know, that um, I want to see something really wonderful happen there, you know. Absolutely. Uh, I'm willing to commit to um, having some good programming. And I'd like to speak with you further about that, you know, and to see what we can do with the folks over at Proctor's, you know. So, so J-Dog, let me ask you, let me ask you, and Star Trek was actually born, uh, what, uh, 1962 they started on the cage that was never aired. So It was you know, 64, actually. You know, uh, we never got to see it until the 90s. It was filmed. Uh, well, 64, because Roddenberry was still writing. Um, I mean, maybe he had the idea, but he was too busy, like, working on, like, the Lieutenant Show and some others, you know. So, you know, you got you got the 60s. You got the early 60s. And here right. we are in 2024, and we have Star Trek prodigy we have star trek lower decks we have star trek discovery we have star trek strange new worlds we have star trek picard we have star trek starfleet academy coming out which has been floating around since the 80s and we have section 31 with the 
with the um, uh, Emperor Giorgio, the awesome, right. the incredible Michelle Yeoh. All of that. Have, have you, I was just wondering, have you heard if they narrowed down when it's supposed to take place or they're still, still a work in progress? I, I, I don't know yet. I'm, we're going to be doing okay. a show on Thursday. We're going to be talking about Section 31. Um, Do you want to try to get Michelle Yeoh to be on the show, right? I'm going to reach out to her and see if she'll come on. You know, she's yeah. busy with your Academy Awards. but So, you know, when you think that Star Trek, when it started in the 60s, and here we are in 2024 with, with Star Trek still thriving and still here, what does yeah. that say about the franchise as a whole, you know? Yeah. It I says a that, few things. Yeah, I think that it, it strikes a chord with people. I think I think that people can identify with Star Trek, with the characters, with the situations, and have been keeping it alive all these years just because of that reason. Um, well, it went from NBC to CBS. We, well, we do need to thank, though, Lucille Ball, right? Absolutely. When it was NBC. And at first... Right. Yeah. My Ellen is, is reminding us about the um, pilots, right? That Although, I mean, the cage did have its share of action, but they thought it was too cerebral. Yeah, they wanted people to think, oh, my God. Terrible, terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think that, you know, Star Trek has definitely changed through the years. That's for sure. Um, but it's at the core, it's still based on the Idic. It, you it, know, it, infinite it, diversity, it, it, combinations. Left you, know? you thinking. Like, whether it's like... Um, I'm still seeing articles online about the episode of um, Voyager with Tuvix. Yeah, and that's a And they keep on, it's like they're going over and over. Janeway was a real bitch, so to speak, to um, force um, Neelix and Tuvok to be separated and the the argument in a way that the military has the right because out of convenience, well, wasn't too, too Vak a better person or whatever. And what that, you know, all these things, it's good stuff. And, um, I well, think that what we, well, isn't that what we see with science fiction also that whether it's a fear of androids, technology, et cetera, et cetera, that we can learn, and so when we do come across, it will help us out. Yeah, I, and, and the fact that people are still talking about it just tells you how good it was and how well it was written. You know, yeah. like it makes um, you think. It makes you think. You know, you know, like the episode of TNG, the Offspring, where Data creates Law. Holy cow. That is a tearjerker. Oh, my God. People talk about it because it's still relevant today. The ethical and moral questions that are raised in those episodes are still as relevant today as they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And those are the kinds of questions that Star Trek asks, you know? So, you know, let me ask you, Jason. Is law property? Exactly. Is she property? And uh, the, the, the Starfleet Admiral was there to take her away and and study her. And, you know, was he, he right? He was a real jerk. He was, but he came, across, he came around at the right. end. Um, he realized the error of his ways. But let me ask you something, J-Dog. Yeah. In the political climate today in the United States, do you yes. think that Topics like like human rights, um, reproductive rights, um, you know, uh, hunger, 
Do you think that these issues are political or should ever be turned into a political issue, politicized? Of course it should not be. Things like uh, birth control, things like um, free, you know, this should not even be an issue. It's exactly, the right, right of people. Exactly. But it should. Why? It has nothing to do with politics. And as soon as it's turned into a political weapon, you've lost. You you lost the message. You know. But but the effect of it, Jim. The effect of what it's doing. United States of America. Uh, united, really? You have areas which don't, the red and blue states. I mean, is the United States coming apart? So again, the thinking, because there have been papers that have been written, if this continues, like, what would happen if the United States were to um, fracture because of these political divides, what would things be like? And some people might say it's ridiculous. It won't never ever happen. Well, um, yeah. I mean, like for example, okay, Texas, uh, Florida. Uh, there are still areas that have Democratic strongholds, but is that enough to keep it from fracturing? Where sanity prevails. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a terrible thing. We have to debate. Okay, you have your view. You have what you want about abortion. All right, that's your body. You know, that's a, a that that family, that woman. She, that's what she wants. Fine, but what the hell gives you the right to think you can decide? for other women you know i want to read that is the topic of everything right there is what it comes down to and that's what's more more important than yours that you know learn from star trek is that i don't have the right to impose my views on you okay you know what happened to impose your views on me. If I want to stand outside and worship a giant mushroom as God, that's that's my decision. And if you want to stand but, outside um, and worship a, a tree as as a God, that's up to you. But for me to say but, to you, you have to worship my mushroom. And for you to say to me, you have to worship my tree, you don't have the right to force anything on anybody else and that's something well, that people speak do, do you remember yeah. this um you remember this when you were a kid um this land is my land it isn't your land i've got a shotgun and you ain't got one this land was made for me not you you remember that yeah yep. so it's like yeah um you follow my way or that's it. You don't have any rights, you know. And that's the problem today. People have forgotten how to work together and how to compromise. It's my way or it's no way. And, you know, it makes me laugh to, because you hear, you know, people fighting about this. And it's like, you know, you you're, you you one side wants to force what they want on the other side. And if the oh, other wait, side tries to force things, and it's like, we need to talk. If okay. we're not talking, well, we're having a problem. And we need, people need to learn that. Okay. You, you, well, let me just backtrack just for, you were saying have forgotten. Is it really, I don't think it's they, they've forgotten. Um, I don't believe that for one minute that they've forgotten. Um, I feel like the 
attitude, the nastiness has gotten worse. When we allowed a certain president who come into office who has done everything that you can think of that a rational person, you know, that's an anathema. This behavior became more of the norm than the exception. So many and I, people. I think you're right, J. Dog. I think you're absolutely right. When, when I mean, we're, the, the racism was buried. And now it's like, yeah, I can be shooting you down, you know, all, you know, because you're black, because um, I have a high-powered rifle and I'll use it anyway. I mean, all of these attitudes and it's disgusting. You're right. I, I think that when when society has something that they consider unacceptable, whatever it might be, and then people consider what they considered unacceptable to become acceptable. That's when society starts to to crumble and, and lose its humanity. And I think that that is something that Star Trek strives. You know, we see this all the time. It's like, you know, Starfleet wants to relocate a bunch of people from planet A to planet B. And Jean-Luc Picard is like, no, it's wrong. Star How Trek insurrection, people- right? How many people does it need to be before it's wrong? And and that's right, yeah. whether it's one person or a thousand people. And that's something that I think people have got to learn. Or so, or keep in the back of their mind or however you want to say it. Because it's that's absolutely why, it's So true. the things that, like the non-interference directive and whatever – that these are things that we can even apply today, right? Um, you know, um, in dealing with different countries and whatever, um, you know? Uh, I think that before we can even think or dream about reaching the goals that Star Trek shows us, that, that in Star Trek, becoming the United Federation of Planets. Uh, Before we can even think about that, we have to become the United Earth. Well, they showed in Star Trek that that had to happen. Until that happens, until we can stop fighting over oil and over, you you know, things of that nature and accept people for who they are, we we can't reach that goal. It's it's unattainable, and it seems impossible, and it seems like we're never going to get there. But Post. like I said, it starts today. It starts here. It starts now. You know. Yeah, okay, but steps. you you think that if we can take care of the needs and wants of people, that that will solve the problem? It, it's 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 leading the path to solving the problem. Um, you know, there, so the, um, there, so, so a few years back at New York city comic-con. So I was, um, go, I was with the New York city star Trek meetup group. And so they hosted some of the star Trek programming. They had an economist there from Albany a very famous economist from um, that writes for the New York Times, and he's more of a centrist liberal economist. I think, and he's a Star Trek fan too. His name is Dr. Paul Krugman, and Dr. Krugman was talking about they call the post-consumer whatever um, economy. Uh, where we'll be able to solve the wants and needs. And, I mean, it didn't just start with the Replicator, actually. I mean, it started, you know, in Star Trek history, like with going further into space and, you know, solving our needs, and eventually with the Replicator and how it's like, okay, I don't need to worry about having this and that. Um, 
But I don't know. I just wonder, though, even though we solve our wants and needs of things and stuff, won't there still be problems, though? I mean, you know, I ha you have what I want. I'm going to break into your home and steal it or well, whatever. Would, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you not say that the modern-day 3D printers are a form of a replicator? It's they're baby steps. Well, I, I, I've been preaching baby steps all along, but yes, I mean, I can print, I can, I can 3D print a gun in my house. You know, I can, <laughs> I can, the more, you know, elaborate 3D printers, you can 3D print anything now. That's a form of a replicator, if you think about they it. Have food, not, they have food, they have food 3D printers. Yeah, I mean, we're not replicating yep. food yet, but... Well, they do have rep, rep, um, the 3D printers that do... I've seen cakes. They can do that. So we're in the um, in the um, steps that are, like, still the very ground, ground level, right? Uh, I mean, it... it it, it's not going to happen without a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice. But right. in fact, I think that it can happen. I mean, when we look yep. at Star Trek, we have, we, you know, well, one of the things that really, really attracted me to TNG when I first, when I saw Encounter at Farpoint for the very, very first time, one of the things that just blew my mind was there's a Klingon sitting on the bridge of the Enterprise. And to me, that to me, that Klingon was like the Uhura of TNG. It's like the Klingons are the enemy of the Federation. And now there's a Klingon on the bridge of the Enterprise. And that was just enough for me to say, wow, you know, this is incredible. And then, of course, we had an android and we, we had Jordy and everything, you know, everything else. It but, took a while. You know, it, it didn't happen know. overnight. No. Yeah. And and that's one of the things about Star Trek that I like. You know, there's always possibilities. That's what Spock said. There are always possibilities. And yes. And that, I, I believe that. I agree with him completely. You see, this is why I got in. I mean, I love the models and the, you know, the whatever, all the, but you see, for me, why didn't I do the conventions locally? You know, I learned from you. I learned from Shirley, Farpoint, Dragon, that if they can do it down in Baltimore and, uh, and uh, Atlanta, why not do it up here? We have the schools. We have the capability, you know, and I did it. And a lot of people were appreciative um, because – I wanted to be able to spread the friendship, the hope, the learning, the uh, camaraderie, you know, that all these positive things. It wasn't about my ego. I don't care about my ego. My ego, it was more about that I wanted to take these things and spread it, you know, up here so that people who don't get a chance to go down to a convention, the fan-run ones, they could come up to it here. You did it in your day. I did it in my day here, you know, because we care. You know, we care to want to see that there is a better world, right? And what about the fan clubs, J-Dog? Do you remember when, when you guys came to the first meeting to, to yeah. meet other Star Trek fans? Like, uh, we had Starfleet International, the IFT. There's all different yeah. Star clubs out there that are still thriving today. Well, the local USS Albany is, but I ran from 2007 to 2016 a group, a Star Trek meetup group uh, called the Star Trek Association of the Northeast through meetup.com because I didn't want to have something that was necessarily with Starfleet International, but yet 
uh, we could get together, not just Star Trek, but science fiction, and do all sorts of stuff. Long time, for a long time, it was great and getting people together. We really enjoyed it. So, you know, the tradition that you started here, and I followed up with it, and I want to say thank you for helping to teach me, and I could learn and I could teach others, you know. So thank you, Jim. Well, I I, I thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, J-Dog. I, um... I mean, it, and, I, and thank you to all the others that have been there for me, like my wife, Ellen. She's been there for me, and she's tolerated me and my craziness. And But we, she's, I'm so glad that she's into it, like almost like to the extent, I guess. Would you say almost? Or, yeah, and, you know, she she loves because she wants to also see that the world's a better place. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I I think that we have a long way to go, Jerry, but I think that if we all, if we all just try to make it a little bit better than it was, than than it was when we got here, then we accomplished our goal, you know? When when I, when I did the Northeast Trek on 2016, there was a woman who told me that she thanked me for having it so no i don't know if ellen was um i i don't know if ellen was in the room or not or if she had left when i was doing my star trek presentation at fandom fest but there was a woman sitting in the front seat with her two daughters that were both like wicked into lower decks was ellen there for that were you there ellen when that was going on or did you have you already nope she had already left so the 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 one girl might have been nine and the other girl was twelve maybe, and they were like like so enthusiastic about Star Trek and they were were talking about lower decks and this and that and and to hear two young people talk about Star Trek with with the reverence and the love and the enthusiasm that I have and I'm a lot older than that. I was just like, you know, we have hope. There's hope for the future. We 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 just have to keep the train a rolling. And I was so uh, filled with joy that those, that 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 mother had brought her two daughters to my panel to talk about Star Trek the, and the younger generation. Body, you know, and lower decks. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Passing the torch on to the next generation. And that's, that's right. What, you know, well, J dog, oh, we you know don't. what? We are out of time. Out of time. Can you, can you believe it's been a full hour already? Wow. Yes. I can believe it with me and yapping. Certainly. Yep. yep. Trek talk. It just flies right by. So, um, so what do you think? That's you want to do speed. Get in the future or, uh, did you have a good time I, on the podcast? I would love to. And I'd like to see about getting some guests to um, be a part of it. We're working on that. I I, I find people all over the place. Oh, I, I have going to show. <laughs> I have some people in mind. That's okay. I can bring on. Yeah, we can, we can make it happen. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that Thursday night, Uncle Jim, yours truly, will be back with my usual plethora of Trek spurts, and we're going to be talking about Section 31. And I know this is a hot topic because I know there's a lot of Star Trek fans out there that think, well, Section 31 isn't real Star Trek. It doesn't fit the mold of Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry would turn over in his grave, yada, 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 yada. But you might be surprised to find out just how far back Section 31 goes in Star Trek canon, in Star Trek lore. Uh, it's been around a lot longer than you might think that it has been. And we're going to talk about that on uh, Thursday night. And um, I'm going to try good. to dig up some information on the new show. As to, uh, there's not a lot out there right now, 
but maybe something will drop before Thursday so we can talk a little bit more about it. I will say this, though. Based on the way Discovery ended when Carl, um, a.k.a. the Guardian of Forever, uh, yeah. tested uh, at Empress Giorgio and she passed, and she was starting to unspool her DNA from being in our universe too long, and he he did his magic and sent her somewhere. We don't know where yeah. he sent her. He could have sent her in the future. He could have sent her in the past. We don't know. But I will say, the way they had it set up at the end of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery uh, with yeah. Ash Tyler and that whole thing, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they end up. I, I could be completely wrong because I have not seen Ash Tyler, his character, in any of the promos, but that doesn't mean anything because they they can cover stuff up and keep it secret pretty well. Um, okay. So maybe we're going to see, you know, Ash Tyler and the development of Section 31. Mm, I've seen rumors that we're going to see Emperor Giorgio demolish Section 31 and, and end it once and for all. I don't know. There's a lot of theories out there. So if you have a theory about Section 31 and you want to talk about it, give us a call on Thursday night, 646-668-2433. And we'll get you on the air to talk about it. Section 31. Oh, good. And that, okay. that, that wraps up the podcast. So I want to Sounds say good. thank you, J-Dog, for hanging out and Trek talking with me, J-Dog. Thank you so much. Thank you. And say hello to Ellen and thank Ellen for us as well. And I'm going to send you guys, um, I'm going to send you guys off the way I end every show with Jean-Luc Picard. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. And just remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Make it so. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.